your servant And I am listening Speak to me, Lord, speak to me Speak to me Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by the Macarius Church Headquarters. This great teaching provides clear and straightforward answers for anyone desiring to walk according to the Word of God. Enjoy some of the most comprehensive and down-to-earth teachings as taught at the Macarius Church Headquarters. I am listening, I am waiting, speak to me. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the entrance of the word that giveth light and giveth understanding to the simple. Holy Spirit, we thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated, and if you are joining us by Facebook, by YouTube as well, you are welcome. Bishop Eddie is in Sierra Leone at the National Impact Conference ministering powerfully. And tonight, I want us to look at part three of Can't You Do Just a Little Bit More? Hallelujah. So today is chapter four, which is Noah. Can't you do just a little bit more please ask your neighbor the question if you know his name since we've asked the names already ask mention his name and say can't you do just a little bit more hallelujah and um i believe a couple of things have been impressed on me and i really want us to appreciate our prophet for writing this beautiful beautiful book yes and a couple of things that have dawned on me include this that when Jesus stood on Mount Olives and spoke to the disciples who had gathered at his ascension 40 days after his resurrection in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he made a statement that but ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So there's always a starting point which is Jerusalem. It is not characteristic of God to send you to even Samaria if you've not done some work in Jerusalem. He starts you right there in Jerusalem. So that's why somebody made a statement that God is not going to send you across the sea to go and preach the gospel if you cannot cross the road to send the gospel to your neighbor. (laughs) And when you go from Jerusalem, then the next step, because... Jerusalem is great. The next step is Judea, which is where Jerusalem is actually, in the region of of Jerusalem, is Judea. Before he sends you to Samaria, you see, because the people in Samaria are a little different from the people in Judea. Yes, because Samaria was also known as the northern kingdom. And there was a point where some foreigners were sent to come and mix with the Jews. So they are not pure breeds. So sometimes when the Jews want to insult you, they say, Are you not a Samaritan? Means you are not correct. (laughs) David said to Jesus, Did we not say that you are a Samaritan and that you have a devil? You see, that's why when Jesus used the parable of the good Samaritan, it was a very, very, very significant example that he had used because the two other examples he used were a priest and a Levite who was supposed to be pure Jews and righteous Jews. They ignored or didn't attend to the man who, was, who, who had been beaten from the, on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, but a Samaritan who was supposed to be like, you know, somewhere down there came 
and attended to the man. And then from there you go to the uttermost parts of the earth because you are prepared in a certain way to fulfill the word of God. And I believe that God is going to take us that way even in our ministries, in our lives that he will take us from our Jerusalem and he will take us to Judea and he will take us to Samaria and he will take us to the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. And I believe another very important thing there is this. That we must have, we must each have a global vision. You see, I'm so glad that Bishop Eddie is in Sierra Leone now. He's not preaching only in Ghana. He preaches outside. He's preaching in Europe, America, you know, because each one of us must take that as a personal mandate and commission from God that you, Jonas, must preach in your Jerusalem where you are, where you were born, that you must aspire to go to Judea, that they must aspire to go to some, and that your ministry must be a global ministry. You cannot stay in your little corner and call yourself a little, you know, you give your, 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 yourself a local name and, 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 and stick with it. No. Each one of us is to have a global vision. Hallelujah. Yes, it's a good place to clap because you see, our prophet and our father Bishop Dagomus has a global vision. And when you want to have a global vision, you take your roots very deep. That's why for 10 years in his ministry, he didn't accept any outside invitation, go outside anywhere. He was preaching here in Ghana, preaching in Kolegono, having shepherds come throughout the country in Ghana. Not moving outside today, he said, and you see people sometimes they don't even establish what they are doing, and they're all over the place. And what Jerusalem will not work, and if it doesn't work, Judea and Samaria cannot work. And God has today given him a global vision with lots of churches in 90 so countries with and counting. Hallelujah! That shall be your story as well, amen. Now the statement Can't you do just a little bit more Comes from a pastor His name was Joseph G. Morrison Who lived from 1879 to 1939 He was a minister of the church of the Nazarenes He was pleading with fellow Nazarenes in the 1930s To support missionaries He was asking everyone If they could do just a little bit more to help or support those who had been sent out on a mission. And when we looked at the first chapter, which was Joash, can't you do just a little bit more? A, a, a prophet had asked Joash to strike on the ground with his arrow, and Joash struck three times and stopped. May you never stop somewhere when you can express yourself further. May you never be restrained. May you be able to break out. And the, 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 the prophet Elisha was very annoyed with Joash that he did not strike five or six times because prophetically he had been asked to strike and it denoted a conquest of his enemies, the Syrians. And he said, if you, because you struck only thrice, you only defeat them to a certain extent and then they will come back. May things in life never come back in the name of Jesus. Because they are dealt with. And you see, if we don't deal with things in our lives, at a very early stage, they grow. Years ago, I read a little story. The title was, Little Leopards Become Big Leopards. And Big Leopards Kill. Little leopards become big leopards and big leopards kill. So there was this hunter, that's the story, the hunter who shot a mother leopard in the bush. Now when he got there to pick up the dead leopard, he saw a little leopard, a baby leopard, a cub. And as a cub, which is a cat, so they are cats. So that they are big cats. Meow. Meow. 
And he felt so sorry for this leopard whose mother was now dead. And say, meow, that become an offer. <laughs> so he picked it up and said, oh, this cub can come home and play with my children. Because it's just a cat. I mean, it's just not, meow, meow. So he took it home. Of course, he had removed the skin from the dead leopard, hanged it there and all that, and then this little leopard was in the house. Playing with, oh, it had become a favorite of the jumping, playing with the children. Then one day, somebody told her, this leopard is growing up. It's no longer the little leopard you brought from the the bush. It's, It's becoming dangerous. I don't think you should. Oh, this, all this leopard has known is me, my children. It's, it's just like a cat, you know. It's, it's a cat, really. So, uh, it's a family member. <laughs> so one day, one of the children was playing when something it, the child fell, struck his led against something and then began to bleed and began to cry. And this leopard was so much a friend of the boy that he decided to comfort the boy by licking the blood. But you see, this leopard had never tasted blood up until that moment. So when he tasted the blood, which was, which was licking then it had a flashback. And it turned away from the boy with some wild eyes. And who should be coming through the door but this hunter who had killed his mother years ago with game. Oh, it was not easy for the man. Ah! It was a surprise attack. Finished him off. That's why they say little leopards become big leopards and big leopards kill. So today some small lie be that you've told. Some small breasts you have squeezed. <laughs> it's okay. In a corner somewhere. You haven't told your pastor about this boy who's coming around. Telling you to meet me here, meet me there, meet me here, meet me there. Before you realize, a little something becomes a big something in your stomach, in your abdomen. <laughs> hey. So, let's look at Noah. Can't you do just a little bit more? Second Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, King James Version says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, Bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. (laughs) Read the next verse. I think it's nice. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. Next verse. And delivered just lots, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Next verse. For that unrighteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. These are three powerful Old Testament examples of how God separates sinners from righteous people to punish the sinners 
and to let the righteous people go. The first example in verse 4 is that of the angels that sinned. Semjaza and all those guys. 200 or so angels who the Bible, according to Genesis chapter 6, looked from heaven and saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. So they decided to come and infiltrate human blood by defiling it. The Bible says they are God. God took them to a place. Now that word hell is a Greek word tataro, which means the deepest and darkest place. It's like God was bored with them in hell. The abyss took they had done something very bad. Because what really the devil wanted to do was to mix up or defile the human race so that a savior could not come. Because a savior had to be without blemish. So if the whole thing was mixed up, that's why they say no one found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was righteous. Look at the second example. It says that in Second Peter chapter 4, it talks about the next one, the next verse, verse 5. Verse 5. And spared not the old world. So again, the old world, which was Noah's world, was sinful. God preserved Noah and then punished the world by drowning them all. And then the third example is that of Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, in that issue of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham uttered those words, God, will you punish the righteous or the just with the unjust? Because he knew that God doesn't do that kind of thing. So this is an exhortation or encouragement that no matter how much pressure comes on you to do evil or to compromise, do not do evil or compromise. Because God knows how to deliver the just. God knows how to keep you. God knows how to preserve you. And your, your, your righteous living. That's why I said Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Oh yes. Can you imagine those days? And Noah, it is said, preached for about 120 years. Without any convert but his family. Just the basenta in his house. Nobody got saved. Except his children and their wives and he and his wife. And he he had three sons. Shem, Ham and Japheth. So the whole there were eight. That's why I said Noah the eighth person. So eight people were saved. The whole world was condemned. The first point I want to make is that become a preacher of righteousness. Be known as a preacher of righteousness. In your area and that's why I believe that God is calling us in these days to have strong you can call them fellowships you can call them cells or centers in our areas where we live oh yes look at this, this is an evening service but you can see that the number of people in the church is far more than are represented here tonight but if in your area you have some people that you are reaching out to in your area. You have some people you are reaching out to in an evening where we are having cell meetings. You can have a large number of people meeting, but in different, 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 different locations. And if the church is strong at the cell level, you see that it will reflect in the church, in the temple. It will surely reflect. Hallelujah. So, become a preacher of righteousness. Become a gatherer of people in your area. And you see, you can't be a preacher if you are living a compromised life. You can't. Because the people will see your life and, and they will not follow you. So that's the first thing about Noah. That he, sh- he was a preacher of righteousness. So he was already a preacher of righteousness when God said, Noah... Do something a little bit more. And what was that? And that's the second point. Build me a boat. 
Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Very, very important. This is Enoch also walked with God. And Noah begat three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Hey, very wicked. It's because these guys... These angels, when they came down in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says they gave birth to mighty men and men of renown. That's another name for wicked men and giants. Because these people were a combination of demons and human beings very wicked very wicked huh. so they were filled with violence and it says that and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Brethren, just as God called Noah to build a boat, he has called us to build a church. Hallelujah. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ask yourself the question. Let us ask another. How is Jesus building the church? He's going to build a church through you and I. Because we are the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. The head can think up an action but it needs the arms to to do it or the feet to go and bring whatever that needs to be brought. So you and I are commissioned to build a church and I'm very, very glad that we are coming up to the 29th of October. We are three weeks away. Oh yes. From our swollen Sunday, wherever you are, whatever it is called. This is called John 3.16. Here it's called Escape. I don't know what yours is called. What's yours called? Come, beautiful, in Madonna Estates. America, what's yours called? Repent, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, you should come out the nice names. Who else has a name to give us? Ogbo, Ogbo, John 3.16. Who else is presented? You see, so, you see, I'll tell you something. The Swooning Sunday campaign is the mother of all the campaigns. Because we have several campaigns within the shabby shepherding must go. The state of the flock campaign. Shepherding control. Honor your prophet. You see, all these campaigns are activated by the Swollen Sunday campaign. So in other words, if even if you have if your campaigns are not working. Just by going for the Swollen Sunday in a powerful way, you activate all the other campaigns. Oh, yes. That's why it's the mother. It's the mother of all campaigns. So, for instance, you say telepassion is not working. Hey, you need to get a list. And suddenly, the telepassers and tele-shepherds will have work to do. Calling the people. Sheep seeking is not working. Because it's swollen Sunday, you are going for it. Multiplication campaign will work. But center proliferation, but center proliferation, but center proliferation, they will all work because you have activated the swollen Sunday campaign. Oh, yes. 
So if it is a gathering bus campaign, it will work. Because that's the day when all the buses come alive. <laughs> so therefore, if you do not have a swollen Sunday, that's why I'm really happy that Bishop Eddie says, look, let's have the swollen Sunday. Let's do it. Let's do it. Anti-brutish campaign will be activated. Because how are you going to get a source? You must pray. You must wake up and pray. You cannot be sleeping. How are you going to get the people to come? Do you have might, power, wraps to bring people to church? No, it's the Holy Ghost who's going to bring the people to church. So you must pray. Oh yes. Mention any campaign. It is activated by the Swollen Sunday campaign. And therefore we are going to do it to build the church. And there are testimonies of people. Ah, that's another campaign. Testimony campaign. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. It will come alive. You need people to testify of how they were saved through another evangelistic campaign. Yes. And some people can even testify of how when they bust people or they contributed to a bus or they did something about Solon Sunday camp, but God blessed them. Oh yes. All these things will come alive. Oh yes. Some will testify how they came into the church. They have become wives. Wow. Beautiful. Clap for the Swollen Sunday campaign. It's great. It's great. Now it says, one day God came to Noah and asked him to do him a little, asked him to do a little bit more. Turn to another and say, do a little bit more. You see, that's why we are saying that in these three weeks, in, we've set ourselves targets so that we can do a little bit more because if we don't have targets, we'll just stay with what we have and a few people will come and they will say, oh, you know the Lord giveth, and no so do a little bit more so, so we are even having daily outreaches, but we don't have outreaches on a daily basis generally, but because it is so, listen, so if your neighbor is not having daily outreaches, ask him that are you sure you are doing a little bit more? <laughs> Beautiful. It says, What else could Noah do after being a preacher of righteousness in a very wicked world? But God wanted him to do just a little bit more than he had done all his life. He wanted a boat. Of all things, God wanted Noah to build a boat. Perhaps God wants to build something for him in addition to all the things you have done in your life. You see, many of us have visions of what we want to achieve in life. We haven't, some of us have not arrived there yet. We are still on the way. Today somebody sent me a powerful text about how she had broken through in another level of her career aspirations. It's all great. But God also wants to do something for him. Do you understand me? And these things that we are doing for God are going to outlast all the earthly degrees, laurels, riches, and everything that we have. They will give us treasure in heaven. When you arrive, there will be souls also who will be welcoming you in heaven and saying, oh, because you came to do this outreach, because you were there, because you paid for this, because you did this. Do you understand me? Very important. Now it says that the little bit more may be the reason why you'll be remembered. Now, that interesting, look at this interest. Says, Today, Noah's preaching is not remembered. We don't have any tapes. Go to YouTube, you'll not see Noah's preaching there. <laughs> There's no Noah's podcast. <laughs> ah. His sermon notes are not found anywhere. In fact, no one knows what he preached about. Noah is remembered for the great work of building the ark. That's what we remember Noah by. Wow. Yes. So may you also do something in your life. May you also build something in your life for God. By which you will be remembered. Beautiful. If Noah had rejected the idea of doing a little bit more, 
we would not even know his name today. It is important to respond with fear to God's instruction to you. That's important. You know, someone was discussing with me what is the most important campaign in the Shabbat Shepherding must go. And I said, honor your prophets. Because if you honor your prophets, you regard the prophet's word as something very powerful and therefore must be carried out. If you receive a target that brings 200 people from your region to Swollen Sunday, if you honor the prophet who spoke it, you do everything too. You see, first of all, you have to recognize the person as a prophet. Because when I look through the Bible, you see the powerful scriptures that encourage us, like Second Chronicles 2020. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. You shall be pushed forward. You shall come mightily. You shall be chalaked. That means that when God wants to take you forward, he brings a prophet into your life. And once you believe that prophet, this prophet, that's how our brother Michael got healed. As Bishop Eddie was giving the communion here, he took that word as a prophetic word and received healing for something that he had afflicted him for many years. Again, in Hosea chapter 12, he says that by a prophet, God brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, he was preserved. So it means something that may be a bondage in your life, you are about to come out to the receiving of the prophetic word. Yeah. And you're going to be preserved. Hosea 12, 13. And by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet was he preserved. So, look at the woman, the widow of Zarephath. She was about to die. Her own confession was that, I have a little flour. I'm about to make a little cake. Then my son and I will eat. Then we shall die. Because I'm sure she has seen some other people die. Because there was no more food. But when a prophet arrived on the sea and he said, that flour that you have, make a cake for me and let me eat it. She obeyed. And the Bible says, uh, she continued to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until the famine was over. By a prophet, a blessing is going to come into your life. What about the prophet who died and was in debt before he died? The creditor came to take his two sons. I'm going to sell them or I'm going to take them into slavery to pay his debt. Hey! So his mother or his wife, that's the widow, reached out to Elisha and said, this was going to happen to me. Elisha said, what do you have in your house? said, I have, what did she have? She said, I have oil. He said, go and borrow vessels. I see somebody about... Everything is about to be filled. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He said, borrow many, 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 many vessels. And as you borrow the vessels, fill them with the oil. And they filled onto all the vessels in the area were filled. And the oil only stopped running because there were no vessels to put them in. That's what is going to happen to your life. As you listen to the word of a prophet. But you see, unfortunately also, there are also dire consequences if you don't listen and obey. Don't listen to a prophet and obey. (laughs) But we have to say that the Bible is, is a book of 
Both sides. They shouldn't be afraid of the Bible. One day, a certain prophet, he was in a prophetic school. He was a prophetic student. He came to his prophetic mate, cosmate, <laughs> and said, slap me. The guy said, you are not serious. We are not here to slap people. Then he told the guy, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, when you leave here, a lion will kill you. <laughs> and it's true. As soon as the guy left, a lion found him and killed him. Student prophets practicing prophetics. Won't to win your practicals near So when a guy saw that a hey, the other guy had died, then the guy came to him and said, Slap me. He slapped him beer. <laughs> The way he slapped him, no, I'm sure they took him to hospital for a while to treat him before coming back. Yeah. Because God wanted to use him to speak to King Ahab. Do you see? So what I'm saying is this. I mean, that's not the only example, but I think I've given enough examples for you to know that. Let us receive the, the word as the word from a prophet. And let us obey it. God will bless us. Amen. No, so Noah, so let me read this verse. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. There is not enough fear in the church. But Noah, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. It says, What you build for God may end up preserving your ministry. Hallelujah. I think I said the other day that you see, we may be here. You see, maybe you are in the strong Christians. For all you know, you think you are singing, saving souls, going up, but at the end of the day, you are being saved. You are being saved. Just the fact that you have to come here. On a Wednesday evening to sing has saved you from something that may have happened in your house. Wow. No wonder I went to visit a guy who didn't come to church on a Sunday morning. So I went with a shepherd who went to look for him. This was during the week. So when we met him and sat him down, his story was that last week, when I didn't come to church, my friend came and took me somewhere. And when I went there, I sinned. And we didn't need to ask him what sin he had sinned. We knew that sometimes the church is the ark that is preserving you. Yeah. And your ministry of trying to do something little is what is preserving you. It says there are churches that do not exist today because they preached but did not build anything. Hey! There are pastors who disobeyed instructions to build churches and have thereby quenched great ministries. Lazy and phlegmatic men who refuse to rise up and build destroy God's work without intending to. By the grace of God, we shall not destroy God's work. Amen. Third point. Noah, do a little bit more. Catch animals. Wow. Genesis 6, 19-20. It says, And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. Hey! This is a preacher of righteousness. First build a boat. Now after building a boat, go and catch animals. 
I don't know, no one must have been a farmer or something, but now he's turning into a zookeeper. And he says here, after being a preacher of righteousness and building a booth, God still required a little bit more for now. Tell your neighbor that God still requires a little bit more. He wanted Noah to catch as many animals as possible and create a floating zoo. Noah could probably not believe his ears as he listened to this new instruction. Noah duly embarked on his new quest of catching birds and animals of all sorts. Wow. You know, as I thought about Noah catching animals, I thought about Jesus. What we know is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where Jesus told the disciples that, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. But there's another powerful verse when he called, you see the same thing, you know, when he told these um, apostles of his. In Luke chapter 5 verse 10 in the King James Version, it says, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, From henceforth thou shalt catch men. You shall catch men alive. (laughs) This is a Greek word, zogrio. Zogrio. Which is to catch men alive. The only other place. Is found in the New Testament, is Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-six. That same word is used there. Second Timothy two twenty-six. It says, "And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him." At so, so taken captive or caught by the devil. But this time, we have become agents. I pray that in the next three weeks, starting from today, this week, next week, the week after, up until 29th of October, you shall be a catcher of men. Beautiful. Let me show you other meanings of the It says, to take a life or to make a prisoner of war. Some people are prisoners of the devil, but you are going to catch them and make them prisoners of Jesus Christ. To capture or to ensnare. To take a life. To take, to catch or to capture. Let us turn into people who are catching men. Catching women. Catching people whom Jesus has died for. Saving them from their sins. Hallelujah. Noah, can't you do just a little bit more? Become a preacher of righteousness. After becoming a preacher of righteousness, move to something entirely different, which is building a boat. Because preaching and building, they are not, they are not the same. I mean, they, they are quite different. And then after that, catch animals. But you are not finished. Yeah. Listen to this. He says, I'm sure you realize that catching animals alive is very different from killing them. To catch a living tiger is very different from killing a tiger. Hey! It's even dangerous. But Noah did it. By the grace of God. He caught living lions, living leopards, living tigers, living giraffes, living antelopes and the like. But it it was not over. God wanted him to do just a little bit more. What did he tell him? Get food for the animals. Hey, get food for the animals. Genesis 6.21 And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Wow! This meant getting live prey for the predators. Because it's not in Noah's ark 
that the lion is going to turn into a herbivore and chew grass because there's no meat. No. (laughs) Yes, I heard a song that was made by one of our local high life artists. He said that a tiger went to become converted and came back and said that he wasn't chewing meat anymore. So some animals decided to go and find out whether it was true. So they went to his house and they said, this is our mission. And they said, oh, okay, sit down. And he went inside and came back and said, well, the story you heard, it was partly true. They told me that since I'm now converted, I shouldn't go hunting for animals. But if the animals come to my house... <laughs> the animals come to my house. Now and there, I'm free to consume. Mm. But you know, it reminds me of Jesus' commission to Peter. In John chapter 21. Verses 15 to 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? I still haven't, I'm not quite sure whether it was the disciples or the fish. But it's okay. You can't know everything. <laughs> he said, yea Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs. You know, men and brethren, if you have been in the church for a little while, you know a little more than somebody else who has just come. Those who have just come are the lambs. You have been in church for a little while. I think everybody in the church, you see, if you don't have a group that you are teaching, eh, you are really wasting all the resources and all the knowledge and everything that God has given you. I'm telling you. I firmly believe that. You see, it is supported by Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13. For what for the time you ought to be teachers. No, ask your neighbor. Have you been around for a while? No, ask him. Ask him. Or her. Have you been around for a while? Then ask him, who are you teaching? Who are you teaching? Who are you teaching on a regular basis? You don't teach anybody. You are in the church. But you don't teach anybody. Okay, if you have been around for just a little while, you are new. You have to learn. But please, many of us have not been around for just a little while. For when for the time ye ought to be teaching, Hebrews 5, 12. Ye have need that one teach you again. Abba. Teach you again. They be uh, come and teach us. Come and teach us. Come and teach us. Come and teach us. When will you teach? <laughs> when will you teach? When will you teach? And some of us we used to teach. Now we have stopped. We are retired teachers. You uh, are better pick up your things and go back to teaching. <laughs> we be the first principles of the oracles of God, and I become such as have need of milk and not us. You see. There are lambs in the church who need teaching. Even if after church, you look for somebody you don't know and sit him down and say, look, they say I should teach people. (laughs) They say I should teach people. Hey! I remember one day when I went to Bawi, top base, to visit somebody. I remember that day. I was fasting. It was a weekday. Fasting and visiting. The sun was hot. I roamed Then when I finally arrived at the house, the guy told me that well, I'm going to work. I said, you are not serious. Sit down. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I've come all the way here to come and visit you. You are going to work. <laughs> you are going to work. You can't go to work now. Sit down and be visited. After that, you go to work. <laughs> what do you mean? So please find anybody running now and they say, hey, they say we should teach. Sit down. I'll teach you. Teach him. Now when he finishes, he will go home. Beautiful. 
He said unto him the second time, Samuel son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. So now I am moving to older ones, not lambs, but sheep. And then he said unto him the third time, Samuel son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. You know, one interesting thing about this passage is that when Jesus asked him, Samuel son of Jonas, for the first time, lovest thou me? Jesus used the word agape, which is unconditional love. When Peter was replying, you see, he remembered that, Charlie. When they were slapping Jesus and they asked, are you, do, are you not his friend? He said, me. Where do you know me from? Never. So Jesus, so you see, agape is sacrificial love. So when Peter was replying, he said to Jesus, I feel you. Yeah, I like you. Not I agape you. He knew that he was not going to be telling the truth if he said I agape you. But Jesus asked him for the second time, do you agape me a second time? And Jesus said, Peter said, you know I love you. But the interesting thing is that the third time Jesus was asking the question, he says, drop the agape. And said, so, almost like, okay, so Peter, we'll take you from where you are. And help you to come up. So Peter, Jesus asked Peter, do you feel me? And Peter said, oh, I feel you. I think that Jesus understands every one of us where we are. Yeah. yeah. You take it, take it that way. That, you know, where you are. And he'll pick you up from that level. And help you and strengthen you to do his work. Amen. The final point is this move to live in the ark (laughs) can't you do just a little bit more Genesis 7 1 and the Lord said unto Noah come thou and all thy house into the ark For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Beautiful. You know, I believe that no one could take this final step of moving into the ark because of the series of obediences. A little obedience. When I think about it, I even think about Abraham. Abraham was an heir of the Chaldees. And God called him to leave his father's house. I believe that there had been other things that God had asked him to do. That he had done. If God, you have not obeyed him in the little things. He will not give you a mighty big thing to start doing at once. It doesn't work that way. So it says here that the next thing God required. Was for Noah to move from his house and live in the ark. He had to leave his home. His furniture. His possessions. And live in the boat he had built. He was to take his family to live in the midst of dangerous wild animals which would be making all sorts of frightening sounds in the night. (laughs) Wow. This little move was all that God required of Noah. All this was in addition to his faithfulness and righteous preaching for all these years. Today, God is asking to do the same things that he asked Noah to do. A little bit more. Can't you do just a little bit more? It's a question of the day. A little bit more will make a big difference. A little bit more in the life of Noah made a big difference. If Noah had built the ark but had not caught the animals, he would not have achieved God's will. If Noah had caught the animals but not fed them, you see, this is, you go out, catch their souls, bring them to church and teach them until they become shepherds like you. Be like Noah and do a little bit more. Do not accept the thoughts that God's instructions are madness. God's word is not madness. 
God will tell you what to do. And expects you to do it. Be like Noah. And do whatever God tells you to do. Hallelujah. You see, years ago when I finished medical school, I decided that Charlie, a lot of my friends were going abroad to see greener pastures. So I'm also going with them. So I went and met one of my friends who had already who was already there. He met me and said, oh, welcome, you have come. It's, it's going to work. Now, along the line, I still remember the day I became a specialist. I got the title member of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. I still remember the feeling I had that of emptiness. This was supposed to be the highest I'd arrived, but I was empty. And I still remember sitting in the kitchen and telling my wife something that nearly made her fall off the chair. She's, I told her that I think we must start a church. She had never heard words like that from me before. Start a church? Sure she knew was that me, even when it was holiday, I was going to the library to go and do research. So she was amazed. So, But you see, I also began to discover that I was more on fire as a student than going abroad, specializing, and not doing much for God except being a doctor who did not commit abortions. So I was doing just the minimum, not doing a little bit more. So we actually began to search for churches within our area. We actually went to a church. I still remember that church because the pastor was in a town a little way away from London. It's called High Wycombe. And he, the pastor, was a Chelsea supporter. So when he finished preaching, he went to wear his Chelsea t-shirt and his son, who was about two or three years old, also wore his t-shirt. He said they're going to... Is it good? Is it, is it Chelsea's where? Stanford Bridge. Yeah. He said, they're going to Stanford Bridge. But you know, he told me something. He said... If you and your wife want to do ministry, I pray that, you know, because we have actually told him that we like your church, and if you want to start a branch, we live in Bambury. We can start a branch there for you. (laughs) And he said, we don't have intentions of starting a branch in Bambury. But he said, I believe that God will make you settle somewhere that you, you, you will bear fruit. Yeah, and he prayed for us. I still remember that prayer. So one day, my wife was looking through and saw that there's a lighthouse chapel international in Milton Keynes, which is 50 minutes drive from Bambury. And she said, let's go there this morning. So we went there and the pastor was preaching. I said, oh, you're welcome. And we got established in that church. And do you know, as I got established in that church, the first move I made I, I, I wouldn't even say God told me. I just felt like, look, I live in Bamboo, which is 50 minutes drive from this place. I'm going to move with my family and come and live in Milton Keynes, where the church is. You see, that's why I'm saying that there will be one obedience, then after that, another obedience, then after that, another obedience. And then through being in the church, I became a shepherd and became a pastor. Then one day I attended a Bima camp. You should listen to that camp. Powerful. Bima is the place of final sentence. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. For we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat, the name is Bima. And prophet preached. When he preached, I went to see him and said, I want to go as a missionary to South America. I want to go. I want to go. I, I really want to go. He said, okay, you wait around. Let's see. And after a while, a call came. Ah, so what about Ghana? So oh, Ghana is where I came from. So I can go across. It's not a problem. You know, when I was moving and I put a sign in front of my house to say that well, I had a mortgage, I'm selling the house. Hey, people were alarmed. What, what's, what, what's, what's he doing? He, where is he going? What's he? So someone actually sent me a message. That, no, no, I should come and see him. 
I should come and see him because he had heard that I said I'm leaving England, come to Ghana. This, I mean, he was not sure that I was doing the right thing. So, and I knew that if I went to see him, he would talk me out of us. I, I didn't go. I didn't go. I didn't go. Another person saw it said, he, because he had been like somebody who had, had mentored him. And I was like, hey, yeah, moving out, yeah, moving out, going to Ghana. Because the other day I spoke to somebody who is in the U.S. now. So we we'll even be watching this. And I told her, Charlie, when I come to Ghana, I said, me, I'm not coming to Ghana. <laughs> I'm not coming to Ghana. The way things are, I will not come. And here was I, doing the opposite thing. I was there. And I was, because I believed that in my heart, even though I didn't know that God was saying, can't you do just a little bit more? I was just obeying the call that, okay, should we go and move, move into the ark? We'll move into the ark. So that we can do the work of God. Move into the ark. Move into the ark. So today, I want to ask you, what are you going to do to do a little bit more for God. At least let's start with the solutions. And that one, we are not traveling anywhere. We are not going to catch any animals. We are not doing anything dangerous. We are not doing anything dangerous. Anything major. We are crossing the road. We are just crossing the road. We are just reaching out to the people around. We are just trying to get a certain number of souls invited so that on that day, 29th, the house will be full. There will be confusion in the house. There will be souls in the house. And there will be salvations in the house. Stand to your feet. Let's close. Hallelujah. Let's in my life Lord be glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today. Sing in my life, Lord, just a little bit more. Give me the grace to hear your voice, to hear the clear instruction. What shall I do next? What will be the next step? And the step after that, and the step after that, as I walk into your will, O God, as I start from my Jerusalem, as I go to my Judea, as I go to my Samaria, I will end up in the uttermost part of the earth because God, I'm following you. I'm listening to your voice. I'm hearing your voice. You are with me, Lord. You are guiding me. And pray that, Father, in these three weeks, oh God, in the name of Jesus, as I prepare, as I do a little bit more to bring more souls in for Swollen Sunday, in the name of Jesus, may your 
will be done in my life. Your will is that all may be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Your will is that your house be filled. Give me the spirit of Anakazo. Give me the spirit of Biazo. Give me the spirit of Anadea. Maso Sabi Dari and fire. The power to compel. The power to force myself into a thing. The power to be shameless as I go about your business. As I go about your work. As I go about the harvest in the name of Jesus. For the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Lord, make me one of the laborers. Those who toil. Those who work. Those who accept themselves. Those who exact. Lift your voice and say, In my life, Lord. Someone may be here, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you may even be watching us Facebook, YouTube. You need to give your life to Jesus. So I want us to bow our heads and pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I know I'm a sinner, I cannot save myself. Please forgive me, wash away my sins. Make me a new creature. Write my name in the book of life. I thank you, Father, that I'm born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Macarius Church headquarters, East Lagon Hills, Accra. Stay blessed. I am waiting. 